Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Whoa, man, it is 5.45 a.m., dude. Got some stuff you should read, man. It's 10... No, I'm sorry, it's uh, the 20th of October, 2021, and this is episode 495 of Bitcoin. And I might remind you that our good buddy ZoneFog1, at ZoneFog1, all one word, with the number one at the end, has been selling uh, t-shirts and flags and stickers and bumper stickers and all kinds of good shit. On, over there on teamlax.com, T-E-A-M-L-A-X.com. Come to find out, Team Lax is indeed a third-party vendor of, uh, you know, fine t-shirt wear, but apparently they're a lacrosse, you know, they make lacrosse gear. Who knew that lacrosse gear guys would just start making, you know, custom t-shirts? Anyway, so Zone Fog has uh, built the uh, This Is Not a Negotiation uh, logo. It's great. It's This is not a negotiation wrapped around the orange B uh, Bitcoin symbol. So you might want to visit over there at teamlax.com forward slash gear forward slash team hyphen spirit hyphen wear forward slash Bitcoin. If you, if you just can't find it, DM me at BENND77. That's at BENND77. And I will get you the link to that, okay? Because uh, you need to go over there and, and support our buddy Zone Fog for uh, striking out and, and, and trying to make a, make a claim, you know, make, make his claim in the Bitcoin land. Uh, let's see. What else do we got going on here? Oh, Hindenburg Research. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, God. Tether FUD. You know, we thought it was going to end. Look, I, 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 I said something yesterday on Twitter about how the Tether FUD, this, is just, this has been ridiculous. It needs to stop. And somebody was like, well, why do they need to stop? I, you know, Tethers, this is fascinating and, and this very, very important. Why? Why is Tether so, why have we allowed Tether to become so important to Bitcoin's existence? Do you think that that's healthy? No, it's not fucking healthy. Bitcoin was doing just fine and will continue to do just fine without Tether. The problem I have with Tether is not Tether itself. It's all the bullshit conspiracy theories, the Bitfinexed, the 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 uh, wh- whoever it's coming from the the tether fud is coming from everywhere now it's coming from a place called hindenburg research might i might remind you that hindenburg the hindenburg was an airship that caught on fire killed everybody on board and collapsed in a smoldering mass of metal and vinyl or whatever the hell the covering of the airship was at the time and I hope these people go the same way because a few days after we thought Tether Fed was gone because, you know, all the people that are involved with Tether paid a $41 million fine to the CFTC after paying a $1.4 million fine to the SEC. We thought we wouldn't have to hear about this shit again, yet another day, another dumbass. Here we are with Hindenburg Research. That's at Hindenburg R-E-S. Tether thread or tether thread. Yeah, tether thread on Twitter. We have doubts about the legitimate legitimacy of tether. So today we announced the Hindenburg Tether Bounty Program, a reward of up to $1 million for details on tether's backing. Yeah, we're here again, guys. We're here again. Continuing with the thread, since the claims that garnered its stablecoin status were made, 
Tether subsequently revealed that its coin was backed only by a small percentage of traditional currency and that much of its backing consists of holdings in commercial paper issued by unnamed counterparties. Despite multiple regulatory sanctions over its alleged lack of truthful disclosure about its reserves, and despite Tether now having a $70 billion market cap, Tether still refuses to provide transparency to the public on its holdings. Why do we give a shit? Honestly, I don't care. But continuing... We are awarding up to $1 million to encourage individuals to help us advance the public's knowledge of what we believe could be a growing threat to investors. For full information, visit HindenburgResearch.com out of, get this, you guessed it, New York, New York. Anyway, uh, Hindenburg Research does not hold any positions, either long or short in Tether, Bitcoin, or any other cryptocurrency. Okay, guys, put it to bed. Take them up on their $1 million bullshit and put this to bed, please. Somebody, anybody, got anybody. I don't even care if you're human or not. Please, even if you're lizard people, please get off your ass and tell these people what they need to know so they will shut the hell up. I'm so sick of hearing about the tether FUD. It's just, it's, it's nonsensical at this point and it's never going to end. Why? Because Hindenburg Research doesn't give ass one about whether or not Tether's fully backed by the paper reserves that Tether says that they're backed by. They don't care. It's an attack vector on Bitcoin. That's why I don't, the only, if somebody were to like back me up against the wall and say, do you like Tether? I would say, no, I don't like Tether. And they'd say, well, clearly it's because you don't believe in stable coins. I would say, no, I don't give a shit about stable coins. The reason I don't like Tether is that it is an attack vector on Bitcoin. And it's never going to stop until we decide to stop. I don't know what we have to decide to do, honestly. Somebody tell me, what do we need to do to get rid of this shit? Is there any possible way, is there any fine that the people behind Tether can pay that will shut this up? I don't think so. I don't, I I really, I I just don't think so. Now, moving on to something else that's probably going to rankle your ass. Bito or Bito or whatever, the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF traded for the first time yesterday. And what happened? Let's find out from Nomsios over there at Bitcoin Magazine. The ProShares Bitcoin Strategy Exchange Traded Fund finished its first day of trading with a little over $1 billion in in volume under the ticker symbol BITO, ranking as the second largest ETF debut of all time. Let's make sure we understand what he means here. Of all the ETFs in the history of ETFs, not Bitcoin ETFs, not cryptocurrency ETFs, no, all ETFs. This one debuted as the second largest ETF of all time in the world. That's honestly, from the, from the outset, that seems pretty freaking impressive, right? Anyway, <clears throat> the BlackRock <clears throat> U.S. Carbon Transition Readiness ETF holds the crown as the most significant influx in one day with $1.16 billion in trading volume. Now, however... Bloomberg ETF analyst Eric Bachunas argues that the BITO trading volume saw easily the biggest day one of any ETF in terms of natural volume. Additionally, he explains BITO also traded more than 99.5% of all ETFs, including big names like DIA, ARK, and SLV. <clears throat> natural volume means that the ETF did not receive seed capital which is a reality for most ETFs as their day one volume is pre-planned by a giant investor and therefore don't really represent grassroots interest, according to Balshinus. In either case, the first Bitcoin futures ETF to list in the U.S. saw a very active first day of trading, closing at $41.94 with nearly 24 million uh, shares traded, a 4.85% increase in its 40% opening price, as reported yesterday, yet another Bitcoin futures ETF could go live this week. Although investors wishing to get indirect ex- uh, Bitcoin exposure through BITO will have to wait until the NYSE reopens tomorrow. Anyone can get direct Bitcoin exposure right now. Bitcoin trades 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and opting for buying actual BTC is what enables true financial freedom. 
okay, that last part is very important for us to understand. This ETF does not allow you to actually hold Bitcoin. It tracks the futures price of Bitcoin. So you may ask yourself, what kind of investment vehicle is that? It's not. It's a casino. That's all it is. Most of the ETFs that are going to come out, <clears throat> or rather, mo- not, 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 uh, not that are going to come out because I don't know, but most of the ETFs that are sitting on the SEC's table right now for approval have some, don't have really anything to do at all with holding Bitcoin. Not physically, not really, not in reality. It's all a, it's all a paper chase, except for one, right? Grayscale <clears throat> looks like they want to convert into a spot Bitcoin ETF. Now we've got this one from Nelson Wang out of CoinDesk, but a few more words about futures ETF. You would do well to go get on a plane and get all your money and uh, take it with you and, and fly to Vegas and go into any one of the casinos and gamble until you're out of money. And you'll probably actually have more fun doing that <clears throat> than uh, doing this bullshit ETF where you're tracking the futures price of Bitcoin instead of actually holding the Bitcoin. And if you decide to do that, in fact, lose all your money at a casino, uh, you can just go. <laughs> right. Grayscale files with SEC to convert its Bitcoin trust into an ETF. Now, I told you this was going to happen. I did think that Grayscale was going to be the first ETF, but now I know why they are not the first ETF. They are going to be the second ETF because they are not tracking the futures price. They are, in fact, Uh, looking at a spot ETF. Let's find out more about that shit right now. Grayscale Investments, the world's largest digital currency asset manager, has filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to convert the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust into a Bitcoin spot ETF, the company has announced. The move comes just after the SEC cleared the way on Friday for a Bitcoin futures ETFs to trade with ProShares Bitcoin strategy ETF scheduled to start trading on the New York Stock Stock Exchange on Tuesday, which was yesterday, in fact. GBTC first launched in 2013 and has become the largest Bitcoin investment vehicle in the world with assets under management of close to $40 billion. It holds roughly 3.44% of all Bitcoin in circulation, according to Grayscale. Grayscale has talked repeatedly about its plan to convert GBTC as well as its 14 other crypto bullshit ETFs or trusts into ETFs. Grayscale's ETF would be backed by actual units of the cryptocurrency, not simply linked to it via derivatives contracts such as futures. If the SEC approves the proposal, it would be a further expansion of the leading cryptocurrency as a recognized investable asset. Some analysts feel the likelihood of Grayscale getting approval for a Bitcoin spot ETF anytime soon is slim, given that the SEC chair Gary Gensler often stated preference for a futures product that might confer more investor protections. The SEC now has 75 days to get off their ass and review Grayscale's application. Um, yeah, you know, is it the, the real question here is, is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Barry Silbert, I'm, I'm not a fan. He was on the wrong side of the fence during the block size debate in 2017. Um, he did not show, he did not show a whole lot of loyalty to Bitcoin, in my opinion. However, and I got to say it, however, at least he would be the one that has the best shot at offering an actual spot Bitcoin ETF where you buy the asset, the action, God forbid that honest to God, you know, actual asset, he's in the best position to make that shit happen. So it's going to be up to the SEC as to whether or not to wait around for somebody else to figure out how to do it after, you know, Barry's been doing it since 2013. That's a lot of years under the bridge, bro. And 
my estimation is Barry's going to get that first. He's going to have the first spot ETF for Bitcoin. The fact that he has 13 bullshit cryptocurrency trusts as well as the Bitcoin trust does not make me happy at all. So don't don't think that I'm raw rawing, you know, Barry over here. I'm just saying he's the most well-placed person to do this. And it's probably going to be Barry's grayscale Bitcoin ETF, you know, spot. So just Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Also, even the final word on this whole this whole bullshit, whether it's a futures ETF, a spot ETF, guess what? You as a private individual do not need any one of those vehicles. You can just buy and hold Bitcoin. The only reason the ETF becomes important is that by law in many Western nations, the only way that a company can get exposure to something like Bitcoin, even in a roundabout, you know, in a roundabout way, <clears throat> is they have to buy shares in an ETF because it's highly regulated. They can't offer it, you know, like they can't, pension plans can't, you know, just buy Bitcoin and, and self-custody it. They have to be able to buy some kind of regulated vehicle. That's the importance of an ETF, but that's the only importance of an ETF. If you're a private citizen, you don't have to you don't have to do it. If you want to tell if you want to somehow or another get Bitcoin into your pension plan, you may have to unless you go and talk to somebody like Jeff Vandrew who has, you know, designed a couple of instruments for personal retirement that, you know, a retirement account that has direct exposure to Bitcoin, but you got to convert your your retirement plan. So, you, these are all the things that are, you know, that are going on. So just beware out there. There's, there's, and it's going to get worse, by the way. It's going to get worse. Um, now, binge stacking. It's a new college hobby. Uh, Bitcoin is financial sobriety. Two college age Bitcoiners discuss how young people are changed by the culture of Bitcoin from uh, Casey Carrillo or, uh, yeah, Carrillo Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, college for many can be an experience that completes the transition from youth to adulthood. Oh my, along with the many responsibilities that come with living on your own or the freedoms to enjoy life, it can be a life direction changing place for better or for worse. With these themes in mind, I spoke with Bitcoin Magazine's very own Ellie Dyer about the differences we've observed in young people we know outside of Bitcoin versus the young people we know who have been kissed by the orange sun. Be sure to check out the podcast and they link to the podcast. But this is, in fact, a small transcription to some of the questions here. So question one, how did you first hear about and get into Bitcoin? I first heard about it and used it in 2018. I was bored in high school and doing random degenerate stuff online to make money, such as online trivia games, lending out money, and gambling on Bustabit. It was attractive to me because I was under 18, so I couldn't open up a bank account in my own name, but I could have my own Bitcoin wallet. Sadly, I didn't go down the rabbit hole until later during college. I saw the price going parabolic and decided to look into why people were paying $30,000 for a Bitcoin. <clears throat> I started doing research, studying monetary history, and eventually found myself on Bitcoin Maximalist Twitter with a completely new lens with which to view the world. So how has Bitcoin changed your life? It's given me a sense of urgency. Stack as many sats as possible before hyper-Bitcoinization. It has made me more optimistic for the future. It has made me more conscious about what I spend time on. The only two finite things are my time on this earth and Bitcoin. It has made me less worried and anxious about stupid shit. I know I'll always have my Bitcoin stack to fall back on, and it's made me happy to have found a group of people who see the world in a similar lens as I do. Okay, well, you and I are both college age. What differences in perspective do you see between younger Bitcoiners and young people who haven't yet understood Bitcoin in regards to culture and current events? Well, I think the problem that younger people have with understanding Bitcoin is that it takes a long time to really grasp what it is. And you probably, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> and you probably have to read a couple of books in order to really get it. It seems like people don't really read books anymore because the dopamine from these social media apps has destroyed everyone's attention spans. I've recommended the Bitcoin standard to like five different people and no one has read it. 
Everyone is caught up with the current news and celebrities pop culture, but to understand Bitcoin, you have to take a break, zoom out and really study monetary history and how we got here. And most people our age just aren't interested enough in that. So what are you looking or most looking forward to in the Bitcoin space? Well, more Michael Saylor-esque speculative attacks on the dollar and the number of Bitcoin maximalists increasing. What's your price prediction for the end of 2021 and the end of 2030? Well, I, I think we'll see all time highs for sure by the end of this year. My guess is that we reach 100K, but barely. Um, by 2030, I think hyper-Bitcoinization will be in full swing if it hasn't already happened. I think 2029 is the year of hyper-Bitcoinization with the block reward decreasing to 1.56 Bitcoin. In terms of USD purchasing power, I believe one Bitcoin will have the purchasing power of $10 million by then. Nice, nice. So at least we have our footholds. That The foothold is starting to go way down into the youth of the world. This is good, okay? The, honestly, this is good. These guys have their shit together, seemingly. And, you know, instead of binge drinking, they're binge stacking. So, hey, anybody out there that wants to create a, a new meme, create one today. Binge stacking. That's better than drinking yourself into a hole. Get it? Well, okay, whatever. All right. Public employees will receive salary in Bitcoin, says Miami Mayor. Uh, this is out of digest time. Uh, there is no author line on here. Mayor Francis Suarez previously proposed Bitcoin to be used as a means of payment for city employees and residents, expanding his efforts to make the city of Florida a major hub for digital assets. Uh, quote, we're going to make a request for a proposal in October to allow our employees to be paid in Bitcoin, to allow our residents to pay Bitcoin fees and even potentially Bitcoin taxes. If the county allows it, Suarez said in an interview with the Channel of Business, a formal request would come after city commissioners decided to support the revolution or sorry, the resolution that instructs the city administrator to hire a supplier to offer employees the possibility to receive a percentage of their salary in Bitcoin. At the time, <coughs> Bitcoin traded near $48,000, then hit a record high of $64,804 in April then dropped to less than $30,000 in July and recently rebounded past the $60,000 mark. Despite price volatility, Suarez also wants the state of Florida to allow Miami to keep Bitcoin on its balance sheet. State and federal statutes currently do not allow cryptocurrencies to belong to municipalities. Quote, it's a big priority for me because I want us to differentiate ourselves as the crypto capital of the United States or even the world, Suarez told Bloomberg on Tuesday. Yeah, you're going to be chasing Austin, bitch. Suarez's comments follow the August launch of Miami Coin by City Coins Incorporated, a nonprofit organization that creates cryptocurrencies for municipalities. Oh my God. People who extract City Coins into software with their personal computers earn a percentage of the cryptocurrency they create, with 30% of the user's reward going to a selected city. The nonprofit Miami Coin reportedly grossed $7 million for Miami in August according to the Washington Post. All right, well, Suarez can go sit and spin. I mean, he, autom he almost automatically became a shitcoiner, which is exactly what most of us expected. So we shouldn't be surprised that it occurred, right? Still, Miami coin, for God's sakes, man. I mean, how hard is this? Honestly, how difficult is this? This is why I Bitcoin. Because I don't have... I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to re I, I I don't want to spend my time researching something that is going going the way of the dodo in much less time than the dodo went extinct. It's all bullshit. If you're going to deal in Bitcoin, then deal in Bitcoin. Don't hire a third party not quote unquote nonprofit bullshit. Nonprofit to, you know, mint your goddamn city coin. That's ridiculous. You know, the minute that I heard that, I was like, well, that was quick. Because it was like, I think, what, four months after he started talking, or maybe three months after he started talking about it, CityCoin came up. So, yeah, really quickly down the shithole. 
There's the rabbit hole, then there's the shithole. He went right down the shithole. So not really impressed with Mayor Suarez at this point. We'll just have to see. But apparently the shitcoin siren song rings on. We'll have to see what Russia does about this. Helen Parts is going to tell us a little bit more from Cointelegraph about Russia aiming to replace the U.S. dollar reserves with digital assets in the long term. Well, gee, Vladimir Putin, you're going to hire city coins. You're going to go down the shithole. <clears throat> we'll, maybe we'll find out here. I don't know. As Russia continues pushing de-dollarization, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is reportedly considering replacing the United States dollar with not only traditional fiat currencies, but also a digital currencies. Alexander Pankin, Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs of Russia, reiterated the country's plans to reduce the U.S. dollar share in Russia's international reserves and its usage in settlement with foreign partners in a Tuesday interview with local news agency Interfax. The official said that MFA Russia isn't excluding the possibility of replacing the U.S. dollar with some digital assets alongside other currencies. Quote, it's possible to replace the U.S. dollar with other currencies, both national and regional, as well as some digital assets in the long term. End quote. Pankin added that such replacement would require a significant effort from the government, including rebuilding establishing cooperation models between jurisdictions and businesses, as well as creating new mechanisms for new settlement systems. The official noted Russia's de-dollarization campaign comes in line with the country's efforts to avoid challenges posed by sanctions from the United States government. Quote, payments in U.S. dollars go through American banks in a clearing system, which allows Washington to block any transactions they deem suspicious, Pankin said. He added that the Russian government has not faced such issues with the euro or other crypto or rather other fiat currencies and doesn't plan similar measures for any other national currency so far. For several years, Russia has been considering steps to cut the U.S. dollar share in its $186 billion national welfare fund. Local authorities are planning to dramatically increase its holdings of Chinese yuan and invest in gold. The latest remarks from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs further reinforces Russia's apparent interest in using crypto for international settlement. Last week, Russian President Vladimir Putin said that it was a bit early to use cryptocurrencies for settling oil trades. The president also admitted cryptocurrencies potential for transferring funds globally. Now, for all of you guys that like sports ball, this one from Bitcoin Magazine and Nomsios might be up your alley. The NBA lands first cryptocurrency sponsorship with Coinbase. Uh, I know it hurts, bro. It hurts. The National Basket Basketball Association has agreed to a sponsorship deal with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase ahead of its 75th anniversary, CNBC reported. With the agreement, the exchange has become the exclusive cryptocurrency partner with the NBA. Quote, the tech firm wants to increase awareness around blockchain technology to grow the crypto economy, the report said. Hence, the NBA will provide the company exposure, including in Tuesday's regular season tip-off games on Warner Media property Turner Sports. <coughs> Coinbase will also get presenting partner rights with the WNBA Commissioner's Cup and the USA Basketball Men's and Women's National Team Exhibition Tours. Coinbase will leverage nearly all of the platforms of the NBA, including WNBA, NBA G League, NBA 2K League, and USA Basketball. Quote, in a statement, NBA executive Terry Tatlock labeled Coinbase's or Coinbase as a natural fit for the league's cryptocurrency asset, per the report. NBA clubs have already leveraged crypto-related deals, including the Portland Trailblazers jersey patch and Miami Heat arena naming rights. Although it is interesting to see the crypto industry advancing into the mainstream market, Bitcoin will likely be sidelined given Coinbase's priorities. Bitcoin is the de facto innovation and the precursor of all the activity in the crypto industry, but more importantly, it is inherently separate from the industry as both seek different goals. While Bitcoin strives to establish a new financial system, quote, crypto, end quote, aims to improve the existing one. The dividing line between Bitcoin and crypto should be part of Coinbase's goal to increase awareness by leveraging its MBA exposure. 
However, that will likely not be the case given that Coinbase is most often focused on establishing a high time preference casino than empowering people by promoting education on freedom, sovereignty, economics, and Bitcoin. Thank you, NomCOs, for calling out Coinbase for the pieces of shit that they are. I'm sorry, dude. Here's what this boils down to. <coughs> it's marketing. It's old school marketing. Coinbase just basically picked up the phone and started sucking NBA leadership's dick until they finally got the deal that they wanted. And now they're glad handing each other and throwing around mission statements. Well, you sons of bitches, your suit speak will not fucking last very much longer because here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to market each other and yourselves so far in, into the minds of people that they are going to buy the shittiest of assets and they're going to get fucking wrecked. And when that happens, they're going to realize that they got wrecked because marketing, because they listened to people that had vested interests in themselves and a particular type of relationship. And they got hosed for listening to it when what they should have done is just bought Bitcoin. If you're listening, if you're going to follow the lead of NBA, you better understand when to get off that thing. Like as in whatever shit coin that they throw down your throat, you better buy the fuck out of it, but you better buy it and sell it exactly when you need to sell it. Otherwise, you're going to get hosed. And guess what? 98% of people are going to be left holding whatever shit coin bag this stupid sponsorship throws down their throat. Only Bitcoin matters, people. Marketing does not matter. Believe me, I know I'm a shitty marketer. <laughs> Marketing can't matter to me because I'm so terrible at it. But I see where people are really good at it and Coinbase is good at it. The NBA, they're good at it. They've got, they've got decades of experience doing this shit. And what does it mean? Nothing. It's a waste of fucking time. Let's run the numbers. CNBC.com futures and commodities. Well, flammable liquids taking it on the chin today. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is down 1.12% to $82.03. Brent North Sea likewise down one and a quarter percent, $84.05. Natural gas is down 1.5% to $5. Well, basically $5 even. And gasoline is down to $2.00 and 43 cents after a one and a half percent drop itself. Shiny metal rocks, gold and silver doing okay. Everything else, meh. <coughs> gold is up 0.65%. Maybe, just maybe Peter Schiff will see uh, $1,800 gold today. Who knows? It's at 1782 right now. Silver is up a half a point. Platinum is down eh, a third of a point. Copper is down one and a third point. And palladium is down 1.21. And you know what I want to see? I want to see tungsten prices, bro. If you haven't gone on the tungsten train, you're missing out, man. Tungsten is where it's at. It's the metal with the highest melting point. It's the most dense metal, like, I guess, ever. It's hard as a rock. And, I mean, think about it. They make tungsten carbide drill bits out of this shit. I mean, who honestly, who needs gold? <clears throat> Who needs gold? We don't need gold. I don't need gold. You don't need gold. What we need is tungsten cube or a sphere, just depending on what kind of personality you got. So go all in tungsten. This is not investment advice. Wheat is up two thirds of a point. Soybeans are up three quarters of a point. Corn is up two thirds. Sugar is up a quarter. Coffee is up damn near one full point and cotton is down a half. So there you go. Uh, indices. It looks like everything's going to slide sideways for the day. Like, like check this shit out. Dow futures 0.01% down. Same for the S&P futures. NASDAQ futures up 0.05%. Yeah, it's all going sideways. So let's talk about real money at $63,815. $303,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 13,000 transactions on average for every hour, 
with 677,000 BTC trading hands in the last 24 hours. That's 28,208 BTC on average every hour. The average transaction value is 2.2 BTC, while the median transaction value is 0.013 BTC, or about 850 bucks and block times are severely low. Eight minutes and 11 seconds right now with 0.08 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and almost 15 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And with a 7.5% increase in hash rate, we are up to 153.6 exahashes per second, which honestly does not really, it doesn't really tell me what's going on here. We must have had a difficulty adjustment to the downside or something. I don't know because that doesn't explain eight minutes and 11 second block times. We were at 153, 154 exahashes per second on Monday, and I wasn't seeing no eight minute and 11 second blocks. So somebody tell me what the hell's going on. Uh, about one US quarter of a dollar is your shitcoin indicator, otherwise known as Doge. Now, 3,200 transactions are waiting on two blocks to clear. We have a market capitalization of $1.2 trillion, which is 10 and a third percent of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may pick up 35.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,848,972 and three quarters in circulation. 3,112.5 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network with a capacity value of $198.6 million. Guys, yesterday at 64,000 per Bitcoin and above, we were chilling out with a capacity value on Lightning of over 200 million. Good mercy. 17,071 total lightning nodes are in operation that we know about. Uh, 77,124 payment channels. My God, this thing is exploding. 75% of the entirety of the lightning network is run over Tor, which means 2,314.5 BTC are in the Tor side of the lightning network being run over 10,644 nodes that we know about. That shall do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. It is going to begin with this one from Bitcoin Magazine and Tobias Huber. The prophecy of Satoshi Nakamoto, Bitcoin as religion. Now you guys hold up, you guys hold up. The, the whole rolling your eyes back in your head when people talk about Bitcoin as religion is, is um, yeah, I mean, I get it. However, you, you know, think about it this way in the, like if you're a Christian or a Jew, you know, honestly, because the uh, old Testament uh, of, for the, in the Christian Bible draws heavily upon the writings of what, well, the Talmud and what, you know, Jewish scholars have been studying and all the scrolls that are in a, a temple that you might go to if you have a Jewish buddy and go to a Seder dinner or something like that. Um, that it, they're, they're not exactly the same, clearly, but they hail from the same roots. And if I had a penny for every time the Old Testament and the Christian Bible talked about money and how it was used and who had it and what it was used for and all kinds of stories about money in like, dude, I'd be a very rich man already. The, the Old Testament is rife and replete with stories about money. Okay, I mean, very detailed stories, stories about money and wealth. You know, you don't have to be you, you don't have to have money to be wealthy, right? That I mean, there's an entire story that I absolutely love where this where this one cat sends out one tenth of his entire herd, and if you read, I think this is either at the end of Genesis or somewhere around maybe the beginning of Exodus, something like that. If you read the numbers and realize that it's only a tenth of his wealth, holy shit! It's like a he sends out a hundred camels, right? And and like and you know fifty, I don't know fifty oxen, and like I mean these huge numbers. And you're like, you, really, you've got a thousand camels? 
holy shit, dude. I mean, there's like stories of wealth and how to be wealthy all through the Bible. Wealth is as, in, is as entrenched with religion as anything else. All right. So when people start talking about Bitcoin as religion, you might want to understand that we've been talking about Christianity as religion, Judaism as religion, you know, and wealth as, as those are plugged into those religions as we are talking about Bitcoin and wealth as a religion. So hold on to your seats, boys and girls. Let's get into it. During Bitcoin's parabolic price increase this year, Twitter profiles with laser eyes suddenly emerged. Anons and celebrities such as Elon Musk added red laser, uh, sorry, red laser rays to their portraits and the hashtag laser ray until 100K started to trend. As the hashtag indicated, the laser eyes were added as part of an internet ritual to increase Bitcoin's price to $100,000. But the laser eyes were only the latest expression of Bitcoin's culture, which ranges from the idiosyncratic terminology, think HODL, number go up, or no coiner, to an emphasis on eating meat and lifting weights. Not surprisingly, critics cited the laser eyes as more evidence for Bitcoiners' cult-like behavior. But if we dismiss these cult-like rituals, we simply fail to understand the significance of Bitcoin's adoption. Indeed, if we want to understand Bitcoin and its parabolic growth, which over 10 years increased from zero to more than $1 trillion, we have to recognize Bitcoin's quasi-religious dimension, which reveals itself in the beliefs of some of the most committed supporters and their exegesis, oh, sorry, exegesis, however you pronounce it, of Nakamoto's code and writings. It's the commitment and excessive enthusiasm of these developers and early adopters that have been driving Bitcoin's development and adoption since its invention a decade ago. In other words, the evangelism of Bitcoin adopters, which are often dismissed as believers, evangelists, or cultists, is an essential feature of Bitcoin's technological diffusion. Not only Sorry, not just the online rituals of Bitcoiners, but also Bitcoin's genesis itself reveals a deep resemblance with religion. Similar to religion, Bitcoin has its own founding myth. <clears throat> it begins as an obscure and radically novel technology that was invented by a mysterious pseudonymous creator that has later completely disappeared. One of the most salient features, of course, is the resemblance between Satoshi Nakamoto and religious leaders such as Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for his belief. Whereas Christ died by crucifixion as a sacrifice to achieve atonement for sin, Nakamoto most likely sacrificed his estimated 1,148,800 Bitcoin, which have never moved from the original wallet. For his messianic techno-libertarian vision of a decentralized alternative to fiat currencies and central banking, Bitcoin itself, the protocol with its hard-coded 21 million supply, has in turn become a transcendent absolute beyond human control and manipulation that represents a universally valid and quasi-divine truth. Similar, <clears throat> similarly, the centrality of the white paper can be analogized as a sacred scripture in religions. The mythologized absence of Nakamoto, often referred to as Bitcoin's immaculate conception, has in turn stimulated competing exegesis of the white paper that aims to recover the true meaning of Nakamoto's code and writings. Over the past decade, incompatible interpretations of the white paper relating to technical features such as block size limits have triggered a series of so-called hard forks. Bitcoin Cash, for example, I'm sorry, Bcash, <clears throat> for example, emerged in the summer of 2017 from developers' disagreement about the block size and transaction throughput. The Bcash fork bifurcated Bitcoin not, in, in, not only into two different protocols, but also it's splintered sects that are guided by different visions of Bitcoin's future, so-called Bitcoin maximalists. <clears throat> For example, envision Bitcoin foremost as a form of digital gold that is a decentralized store of value. This view emphasizes Bitcoin as a sound alternative to fiat currencies, given Bitcoin's finite and asymptotic supply supporters of this view, which, because of its monetary network effects, consider Bitcoin to be the only legitimate cryptocurrency, believe that Bitcoin represents a digital store of value. In contrast, proponents of Bitcoin forks such as Bcash envision that Bitcoin will primarily facilitate individual small value transactions. 
Culturally, as a consequence of these bifurcating views of Bitcoin, different communities on Twitter, mailing lists, and online forums have organized around conflicting interpretations of the white paper and original Bitcoin source code, which represent two of the most sacred objects in Bitcoin. Naturally, for some of the more radical believers in the original vision of Nakamoto, the creation of altcoins, that is, cryptocurrencies that either directly copy Bitcoin source code or incorporate some of its technical or conceptual properties, is, in Bitcoin's eschatology, equalized to heresy. Not surprisingly, the heresy of attempting to clone Bitcoin's immaculate conception requires some Bitcoin maximalists to excommunicate altcoins and their developers and supporters from Bitcoin-related forums, social media platforms, and meetups. I guess they get uh, thrown out of church there. <clears throat> As Bitcoin full node operators choose which vision of Bitcoin they support by running the software that enforces the protocol rules, Running nodes can be reinterpreted as one of the foundational ritual practices of Bitcoin. The ritual of running a Bitcoin node represents the social process that decides upon, implements, and enforces a set of transaction and block verification rules which network participants can adopt. By adopting the same set of validation rules, network participants form an intersubjective consensus about what constitutes Bitcoin. Dissenting network participants, which correspond to heretics, can only deviate from this intersubjective definition of Bitcoin by hard forking the protocol. By upgrading a copied version of the Bitcoin software to a new set of transaction and block verification rules, the protocol becomes compatible with their belief and interpretation of the white paper. Analogous to religions, early disciples are critical in diffusing bleeding-edge technological innovations. For example, technology entrepreneur Winces Cesaris proselytized Nakamoto's utopian prophecy among a Silicon Valley venture capitalist in the early stages of Bitcoin, a small group of diehard believers such as libertarian technologists and cypherpunks started to experiment with the technology when it was still in its proof of concept phase. Early adopters then started to improve the Bitcoin software. This extreme belief of early Bitcoin adopters in turn triggered the interest of early speculators and investors, which were often ideologically motivated to invest in the technology. It was this inflow of capital and interest that triggered the first Bitcoin bubbles in 2012 and 2013. After the peak, when Bitcoin for the first time reached a price of more than $1,000 in November of 2013, the bubble collapsed and interest decreased substantially. Eventually, Bitcoin's price bottomed and formed a plateau that attracted a new cohort of new believers and investors who appreciated the importance of the technology. Bitcoin's price plateau persisted for two years before a new bubble gradually started to form in 2015. A new base of adopters has, over the prolonged bear market that lasted from 2013 to 2015, formed for the next iteration of the hype cycle. The next two bubbles, which in 2017 and 2021 resulted in unprecedented hype and attention, attracted an even larger set of adopters. <coughs> These cycles of Bitcoin bubbles, which have given rise to accelerating prices and increasing media attention, have created a self-validating feedback loop that is continually reinforcing the belief and commitment of Bitcoin core developers, entrepreneurs, and speculators. Bitcoin's history, which is punctuated by these fractally repeating and exponentially increasing series of bubbles and hype cycles, shows that the extreme commitment and quasi-religious belief in the technology have been critical for bootstrapping the network and cryptocurrency into existence. Now, while the religious dimension of Bitcoin is fundamentally important in the process of technology adoption and diffusion, we obviously can't simply believe in Bitcoin for it to become successful money. Money in a free market needs to converge on a single standard. In order for liquidity to gravitate to one cryptocurrency, its incentive design and protocol architecture must be vastly superior to any other competitor. Bitcoin has objectively superior properties that are hard to replicate by altcoins. You can fork Bitcoin, but you can't copy, for example, its network effects, the long track record of network reliability, or the self-reinforcing reflexive feedback loops that drive Bitcoin's price, liquidity, and security. But coupled with its technical properties, the extreme beliefs and commitments of core developers, hodlers, and entrepreneurs have over the last decade 
boosted Bitcoin's market cap from zero to more than $1 trillion. That's trillion with a T and the network from one user, Satoshi Nakamoto himself, to more than 16,000 nodes, more than that. After all, as the history of Christianity, for example, demonstrates a group of committed believers can have quite an impact. As investment, in sorry, as investor Peter Thiel once remarked, quote, the best startups might be considered slightly less extreme kinds of cults. The biggest difference is that cults tend to fanatically or be fanatically wrong about something important. People at a successful startup are fanatically right about something those outside it have missed, end quote. It's going to be interesting to witness what happens when more and more converts start to believe in the prophecy of Satoshi Nakamoto. So far, the Bitcoin cult has been fanatically right. Many thanks to Baron Hobart and Michael Goldstein for more detailed paper on the social dynamics of Bitcoin. See to- Tobias Huber and Dear Dear Sornet boom, bust, and Bitcoin, Bitcoin bubbles as innovation accelerators. That's a paper. So if you want to read it more about this type of thing, go on and and read that one. What do I think about it? I don't know. I mean, Bitcoin is, it it depends on what lens you view anything at, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or if you're looking at your, you can look at your own car through different set of lenses. Try this, go out and look at your car. Look at it through the lens of, I need this car. If I don't have this car, I don't get to do A, B, and C. Maybe A, B, and C consists of going to work. Okay, you got a Fiat job. It's across town. You sure as shit ain't going to take the bus because it takes too long to get there. Same with walking. You need that car. That car looks beautiful to you. Now change your lens to a radical, purple, and blue-haired, die-hard, liberal, hating, carbon-hating weirdo and look at the car through that set of lenses. It's not whether or not Bitcoin is a cult, or it's a religion, or it's a technology, or it's a money, or it's whatever. The important thing is, is what lenses do you look at Bitcoin through? You can look at Bitcoin through any different lenses you want. It's about lensing. Now, I happen to have, don't I happen to not have any problems whatsoever with Bitcoin being regarded as a religion. In fact, I'm kind of leaning that way myself because of what I know from the from the New and the Old Testaments. I went to Sunday school a lot over the last few years. I mean, when I mean few years, I mean like five or six, and every Sunday went to Sunday school with my pastor. And we talked deeply about the Bible. And if you have to know, I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a Catholic. I am an Episcopalian. The Episcopal Church, if you want to have some pretty heavy discussions and not feel like you're going to be excommunicated from the church because you want to experiment with asking questions about the nature of God, the Episcopal Church is for you. Okay? Robin Williams was an Episcopalian. There's a lot of famous Episcopalians. Uh, I won't name them right now, but there's a lot of them. And they're drawn to the Episcopal Church because it's more like a college. It's more about learning. It's more about really examining the the properties of what happened in early Christianity, the Old Testament, Jesus' life, all of that. Now, given all that, I look at, at, at Bitcoin and I can definitely view it through the lens of religion and not, you know, get sick to my stomach or feel weird about it at all. Why? Well, we may have to have, to have a longer discussion about that. Hey, if you want to invite me on a podcast to talk about that shit, feel, feel free. I wouldn't mind that discussion one bit. Riot Blockchain announces 200 megawatt immersion-cooled Bitcoin mining operation presumably in Texas. Let's find out from Nick Hoffman in Bitcoin Magazine. Today, Riot Blockchain announced their new 200 megawatt industrial scale immersion-cooled Bitcoin mining operation at its Windstone facility, which was acquired by the company earlier this year. This operation features two buildings that will host roughly 46,000. That's 46,000 S19 series amp miner ASICs, all of which are (coughs) immersion-cooled. Quote, after months of research and development utilizing partnerships across industry, Riot is proud to be a pioneer in the use of cutting-edge immersion cooling technology at an unprecedented scale, said Jason Les, CEO of Riot. 
Immersion cooling is the process of, of submerging ASICs in a specialized fluid that circulates, allowing the miner's integrated circuits to operate at lower temperatures. This technique can also increase the hash rate of the miners as they no longer need fans for cooling, resulting in the machines using less energy. The company is expecting a 25% increase in hash rate from the miners being submerged, according to industry data and the company's own preliminary immersion cooling test results. But they could see a potential increase in ASIC performance by as much as 50%. Yeah, don't count on it, dude. Doubling anything is really hard to do. Due to these efficiencies, we anticipate observing an increase in the company's hash rate and productivity through 2022 without having to rely solely on purchasing additional ASICs less added. By leveraging technology, industry-leading low power cost and economies of scale, Riot intends to continue driving operation or operating in capital efficiency for its self-mining business and its institutional clients. Okay. So what's the takeaway here? We've been talking about immersion cooling for about a year and really heavily for about the last four months. If you start, you know, if you're uh, a big fan of Bitcoin podcasts like I am, <laughs> you know, yeah, about last, last four months, you've been hearing way more about immersion cooling. These guys just blew that up. They blew up immersion cooling, all right? They, they went to scale. You're talking about... 46,000 computer boards being submerged in dielectric oil. That oil being pumped to cooling units and then back again into these vast tanks because these things have to be completely submerged, right? So that means that these guys have crossed the Rubicon as far as immersion cooling goes. It is no longer a theory. It is no longer being able to do it at scale sometimes comes sometime or comes sometime later. Nope. They just crossed the Rubicon. Riot blockchain has unhinged the doors and immersion cooling is now upon us. What does that mean? That means that even in the supply chain crunch that we are experiencing and even that China is probably going to take over Taiwan and we're going to lose TMSC, which is one of the foundries that, that everybody in the industry depends on for producing ASICs. And before they can build their new foundry, which I think is going in Austin, I'm not sure, but <clears throat> it means that you're going to be able to sink an S9 miner into this fluid and they will be bringing, you know, it just means that, that since they've been able to unlock scale of immersion cooling, now all of a sudden, all the old miners that we thought, oh, we're, I mean, even the S9s were, oh, they're just almost not profitable. And the only reason they are is because of cheap electricity. And then that changes. And then all of a sudden we want to heave home again. And here comes Riot Blockchain saying, well, wait a minute, you're still going to be able to use those. Dude, this shit is off the hook. So keep an eye on Riot Blockchain, immersion cooling technology, and what happens with the mining industry because it's going to be real interesting over the next five years. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. You know, we haven't done in a long time. We have not done a daily train wreck. This one is going to be brought to you by Luke Youngblood, who says, I caught the last few minutes of the Mark Cuban space with a bunch of Bitcoin maxis. And I have to say, Bitcoin maxis are some of the most ridiculous curmudgeons in the industry. I have news for you. Ethereum is going to fully merge with POS next year. 10 minute block times, laugh my ass off. And that's not the best part of the train wreck, y'all. Why is this so funny? He's, he's rooting for Ethereum, saying that it's going to merge with proof of stake next year. Okay, we've been waiting on proof of stake for like ever, ever since Ethereum was born in 2015. All right. Okay, so he's got that part wrong. Um, 10 minute block times. He's still hung up on 10 minute block times. So why? Why am I kind of like snickering about this? Well, because he's the senior staff engineer at Coinbase focusing on distributed systems. And he doesn't get it. He doesn't get, he's still the senior staff fucking engineer and he doesn't get it. 
oh, they're going to move to proof of stake. And they're laughing at, at Bitcoin's 10 minute block times. That's the whole reason the thing works. That's the whole reason the thing works. You dumb son of poor, dumb son of a bitch. Anyway, we're after that stupidity. We definitely need some humor. So let's get some getting my drone stuck in the tree. Isn't the worst thing that happened to me today, but it's definitely up there. See what I'm saying? That's what I love about dad says jokes, bro. You know, he's get a good snicker out of him every once in a while. All right. You want to support the show? You know what to do. Five-star reviews always help. <clears throat> Streaming me sats over podcasting 2.0 apps. I have a, <clears throat> sorry, a uh, Patreon page. That's Bitcoin and podcast. I have my tips turned on on Twitter if you want to do that one. And I still believe my tipping me page is in my Twitter bio if you would like to tip me that way. All of it helps and all of it's beautiful to see. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.